a teenage wedding and the old folks wished him well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the mademoiselle. Welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every movie from the IMDb Top 250, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and I've already bought out the gimp. Here he is. <laughs> and I'm Dean Jeffrey, and we're just a couple of dogs. That's right. That is right. <laughs> and today, it's part two of our Pulp Fiction breakdown. Dean, what's going on, mate? A metre and a half apart, please. I mean, I feel like I came I came into the studio today and you actually had the chairs closer than usual. Oh, I feel like I had the plastic wrap up all against the walls and the barriers. Oh, is, that what, is that what you call that? <laughs> yeah. And then I realised this looks a little uh, murdery, so let's take them down. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why you gave me the gimp suit. <laughs> all right, Hendo, what else are we doing today? Well, after part two of the breakdown, we're going to be answering the next question of the week, which is, what is your favourite Quentin Tarantino film? Not an easy list to actually do, even though he obviously doesn't have a heap of films. They're hard to separate, a lot of them. A lot of them are very good. A lot of them are very good. And it's even harder when we have to do a top five. Yes, it is. But we will get to that later. Absolutely. We're also going to take a look at some more results from our 2010s film tournament. And then after that, we're going to be finding out what we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks after this. So plenty to get into. Let's do it. All right. Before we get into it, just a quick heads up. We will be spoiling it from the get-go. So if you haven't seen Pulp Fiction, go away. All right. You're not welcome here. Leave immediately. And I mean, if you haven't seen Pulp Fiction, why are you listening to a part two of Pulp Fiction Breakdown? <laughs> Because they love us so much. Hmm. They don't even care what movie it is. They just want to hear us talk, all right? Yeah, I don't know if that's true, Hendo. <laughs> all right, part two coming at you right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Get down, get down. You've got a corpse in a car, minus a head in the garage. Take me to it. Don't you hate that? Hate what? Uncomfortable silences. John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Amanda Plummer, Maria de Medeiros, Bing Rings, Eric Stoltz, Rosanna Arquette, Christopher Walker, and Bruce Willis. Looking at something, friend? Ain't my friend, Luca. Die, you mother! A new film directed by Quentin Tarantino. You really think about quitting? Most definitely. What's she gonna do then? Basically, I'm just gonna walk the earth. What you mean walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. <laughs> Alright, Dean, let's get into it. Where do we leave off last time? We just finished. Butch. Yeah, we just finished uh, Mia and uh, Vincent's little story there. Yes. Now we head into the gold watch. Yes. And we get a little bit of a. Uh, Bit of walking here. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, we get a lot of walking. It's all walking. This is all walking. All the time. He really just comes in, does his bit, fucks off. Captain Coons. Captain Coon. Yeah. Little racist, maybe. Is it? I don't know. Coons racist. That's multiple. It's multiple. What do you yeah. mean? Was that multiple Coons? Ah, oh, so you, <laughs> if you have many Coons. If there was two of them here, <laughs> might be a little racist. Maybe, maybe. I had a guy call me up once. And demand that I remove coon cheese off the shelf because of it, how racist uh, it is. Uh, I, uh, I want to say I don't believe you, but oh, for real? No, it was. It is ridiculous, mate. It happened over multiple nights. This drunk guy would call me, and he would, and I would, I would try to get away. He would just call back. It got to the point where I'd have to just tell everyone in the store, "Do not answer the phone." That's why we have private numbers at our store. Yeah, well, I mean, in fairness, no one wants to call you anyway. Well, apparently the people who call you tell you to take off your racist cheese. I mean, what, was, what am I meant to do in that situation? Like, I would Stop have been being a racist and take off your coon cheese. I would have been like some 18-year-old duty manager, and it's like, fuck, this has got nothing to do with me. <laughs> nothing. It's so awkward. I tried telling him it was because uh, it was named after the town, and he goes, no, nah, that's bigger. And I was like, oh, shit. Damn it. <laughs> So, yeah, Captain Coons here. Christopher Walken comes in and just gives this awesome monologue, just talking to a young butch here about this sentimentality of this gold watch and what it means to him. Really sets up why Butch goes through what he does in this next segment of the movie. Yeah, and you really do need it because he's going to risk his life without doubt to get this watch. Yeah. And the audience needs to understand why and actually believe that, okay, he's lost this watch that his you know generations of his family and other families have protected have hidden gone through a lot 
Where they had it, his ass. <laughs> I had this uncomfortable <laughs> metal, metal. On, on my ass. Up my ass. <laughs> but I do like the way the story ends, you know. Little man, I give the watch to you. And then snap cut to Butch just like waking up. Yeah, like that's all he's thinking about at this point. Yeah. I love uh, Walken's little man. Oh, yeah, little man. Do you not remember that? Oh, I mean. It's just his accent. It's just it's just the Walken accent that gets me. So you like the way Christopher Walken speaks? He's fantastic, isn't he? It's, I mean, that's hardly a hot take, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> Everyone loves how Walken speaks. Absolutely. He's ridiculous. Have you watched Puss in Boots yet? Because you get to hear how he sings. Well, you could have made me watch it. I have seen him dance, however. Really? Have you have, not seen the Fat Boy have Slim you, Have video? you seen him dance as a cat, though? That's not him dancing as a cat. That's an animated version, isn't it? It's not animated. Is it? Oh, I saw, a, oh, I saw the poster. It, look, it looks like it's animated. Oh, no. Oh, it's live action, is it? Wow, now I really, is, actually really want to see it. It is so bad. Awesome. You've actually just convinced me now. But it's, it's just walking throughout. It's, <laughs> it's classic. It's amazing. I'll yeah. definitely get onto it now. Good. What did you make of the not seeing the fight at all? It just, you see oh, Butch good. Ro- what, what do we out? need to see a boxing match for? Yeah, I mean, you find out. Pretty quickly afterwards that he, he kills the guy in the ring. That's really all you need to know. Yeah, and like it would slow the movie down, having a boxing match here. And you look at the budget of the film. As we said, most of it's gone to, you know, salaries and actors' wages. Yep. Having a boxing match would really boost up. That, that would cost a lot of money. And I'd hate for it to be a boxing match that maybe doesn't look that great. Yeah, I mean, he probably wouldn't put that much. Well, Tarantino would put as much effort as he could into the into that segment, but- Again, it's not. I don't think it's needed. You all you need to know is that he killed the guy. Move on. Let's get on with the the story. Yeah, and we hear it like we hear it very conveniently on the radio. Yep. You know, Wilson's dead. Butcher's killed him. So that's all you need. It is. <laughs> Did you like this scene? I'd I'd I maybe forgot's a strong word, but it wasn't strong in my memory. This scene of Vincent walking down the hallway with, with Paul. Paul. Yeah. And they walk into the room. I love that little little interaction between Vincent and Mia. How are you doing? Great. And then thank you for dinner. Yeah. Yeah, so at least we get the timeline still here, so we know that this is after what has happened recently. Yeah. Jules is not there. Just throwing it out there. Looks like he's uh, done what he wanted to do. Yeah, Jules is done. Yep. He's uh, retired. Good on him, I say. Yes. But Paul looks like he's taking his place. Well, maybe Marcellus. True. All three of them. Mm. Ready to pop a cap in his ass. That's it. <laughs> He's got some great lines here. Like, if Butch goes to Indochina, I want a nigga hiding in a bowl of rice ready to pop a cap in his ass. Marcellus <laughs> is awesome. He's so great. But now we have the scene here with Butch in the taxi talking to Esmeralda Villalobos. <gasps> what do you make of this? Bit slow. Is it? It's not the best scene. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. So if you're looking at the whole, the scene, sorry, the movie as a whole, this yeah, is probably it's definitely the, one of the weakest scenes. Yeah, but that being said, I still think it's great. Like, it, just this conversation that they have is just so smooth. It's fine. It's actually one of the deleted scenes on the DVD was an extended version of this. So, there was more of this initially. Okay, so they've cut out the the unnecessary parts, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. Tarantino actually cast this actress from seeing her in a film in 1991 where she plays someone who cleans up murder scenes. Interesting. So, he was like, ah. Oh, Let's uh, put her in here because she's so fascinated with murder. But this conversation I have is really, I, I think it's quite good where he, she mentions like, what does it feel like to kill a man? He's like, well, you just told me, like I've, I've just found out. He's like, now now that I know, whatever. Like he, he should have been the better boxer. Like he like he, he's, he doesn't feel any remorse for what he's done. And Which is the- good because you sort of expect, uh, this isn't a gangster. This is a boxer. Yeah. This is an, a normal-ish guy. You sort of expect him to have some sort of big- you and I have never killed a man, but I imagine if that we, we do, know of. imagine if we do, then I would expect to have like an oh my god, especially like an accidental killing, yes, like an oh my god, what have I done sort of reaction. So to sort of flip that a bit with this guy who's like, eh, I don't feel anything. It's really good. It also works well for when he ends up killing Vincent as well. Like he's killed someone already. He didn't have any effect on a guy who didn't deserve it. Now he's walked into Vincent who probably does deserve it. It's going to be very, very simple for him to just yeah. unload that gun. And then he's going to go on to kill someone else as well. That is true. So maybe- Mass murderer. Old yeah, Butch. we've really uncovered something here. Butch. <laughs> Butch. Butch. Even the little, the little <laughs> bit here where they talk about what the name means. He's like, it's American. American names don't mean shit. <laughs> it's good. Do you feel like there was a little bit of- uh, Green screen? No, I was going to say a little bit of sexual tension here between these two. Oh, no. I think it's just the- um. The fiery Spanish in her coming out, you know. What about the little? You don't think that the, the little back and forth I had when they got when he got gets out of the taxi and he, they're like right at each other's face. Like, the truth. 
three smartly dressed Mexicans. <laughs> it's like, or if uh, Butch, like that. And I, I don't know, I felt like there was a little, I don't know, there was something there. Obviously, it's not going to happen. He's got Fabian. Fabian. <laughs> Fabian. Upstairs. I don't know, I felt there was maybe a little something there. I mean, I didn't. Well, okay, to each their own. But let's move on. Let's. What do we got next? To the aforementioned Fabian. Can we make spoons? What do you think of Fabian? She's okay. Yeah, she's perfectly fine. I prefer her to Esmeralda Villalobos. I mean, they're, they're fine. I've got no issues with either of these two characters. I definitely, I mean, she's, yeah, she's good. She's She does her part, what she needs to do here. Yes, she is serviceable. She, yeah, she's a little bit. A little bit, a little bit ditzy in a way, and that's where you see where you find out that she's. That's why she she, she doesn't left. come across as someone who is intelligent. Do you feel like that's? I don't know. Maybe that's the reason why Butch is with her too. Like, is he's he's a big brooding boxer? He can have a bit more control over this woman. Control. I'm not sure that he's he's controlling her. It's a strong word, Hendo. We're we're in the 21st century now. But this is the 90s. Oh, so that's okay. It was perceived as okay back in the 90s. Why do you come up with these shit-eating grins like you're trying to get me in trouble? I don't know what you're talking about, oh, all right? God, I'm just trying to sort through course. this movie, really get into it with you, and you start throwing up some things like, yeah, it's okay in the 90s for a man to be controlling. It's not what I said at all. Again, you don't listen to what I say, you twat. <laughs> Did you like- I mean, some, some of this scene is a bit slow, like the whole pot belly. It's just it's Tarantino casual conversation. Another Madonna it, reference it as sets, well. It sets up these two characters. They're in love. They want to embrace each other. She doesn't. She doesn't watch his fights. She doesn't want to. She doesn't do want to see a, any of that. Do we get a Madonna reference in Jackie Brown? Oh, I don't know because we we obviously get one in uh, Reservoir Dogs. I mean, isn't Jackie Brown supposed to be? I don't know. It's 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 got a feeling of seventies black exploitation. Not set in the seventies. So I don't know. I can't remember any Madonna references in Jackie Brown. Yeah, but Butch asks her now if she got everything, which I I don't think I've picked up before. So. He does come home and is like, did you get everything? Yes, I did. Doesn't ask about the watch, though. So it's his fault. No, it's her fault. Oh, really? What a surprise you think that. <laughs> what? She's not a mind reader, Hendo. He said, I specifically asked you to get the watch on the side, on the corner table. He admits that he didn't stipulate. That's all he cared about. <laughs> Look at Jeez. <laughs> Classic D. Just throwing shade where there's none to be had. Very little sensual talk here. We, you know, giving oral pleasure. Will you kiss it? Yeah, like, I don't think I- You first. We've all been there. (laughs) (laughs) You know what will happen if it was the other way around. (laughs) I do like the line. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm done. See you tomorrow. (laughs) I do like the line, though. I think I cracked the rib. Giving me oral pleasure? (laughs) Sweet, innocent Fabian. What'd you make of this bit here, though, where he goes to sleep here and she goes to say something to Butch? She's like- Butch. And she walks out. He's asleep. Never mind. What do you reckon that was about? I don't think it's anything. I think this I mean, is- it's got to be something. It's well, in I there. I don't think it's anything important, though. I think it's just casual conversation. She goes to say something. He's asleep. So he's like, nah, never mind. Something's clearly on her mind. Nah. I think it's just to show how tired and exhausted he is, that he's already fallen asleep after a second from walking away. Yeah. But he wakes up. It's obviously the next day, because it's daylight. You see him shoot up, though, again, another nightmare. Yeah. Are we to believe that he's having a nightmare about- the Christopher Walken speech again, because we've already seen him react that way yeah. after we see the Gold Watch story. Could it also be about the potential danger they're in right now? Like what would happen if they get caught? I think I, I think I would go with your theory, considering we have seen him react like this after thinking of that. Mm. Did you notice a nice little touch of the TV screen? How showing the Great Escape? It's got her on the side. Yeah, with the gun shooting right at that reflection. I thought that was a really good touch. Yeah. That was a good shot, for sure. But he cannot find his gold watch. I love how- I love his performance in this scene. Bruce Willis is- Is really, really really good. He's fantastic in this role. And this bit here, he's restrained frustration. He's trying to just talk to her. Listen, okay, go back in your mind. Did you get it? And she's like, yes, yes, I got it. And then and eventually she starts to go, no, no, I I didn't. And you just see him just snap. Unload of all the fucking things you can fucking forget. <laughs> she picks up the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how fucking stupid you are? <laughs> like, Jesus. Well, it's the only thing he can. But it's about. the 90s, so that's all right, isn't it, Hendo? Wow. All right. But I love. I do love. As we mentioned before, he he realizes maybe he's gone a little too far. He's like, "No, nah, it's it's not your fault. I didn't tell you how important it was. I should have said that was all." And then just snap cuts to him in the car, just yep, smashing the wheel of all the fucking. Things. I specifically asked her, "Bets at table on the kangaroo. Don't forget my father's watch." <laughs> 
It's so funny. I'm sure we've all been there too. We were by ourselves and we just just unloaded what we were saying, driving in the car. Son, God damn it, man! Especially with like, say you're uh, a car cuts you off or something. You're like, you stupid bastard! Why did you why did you do that? You never done that? Were you talking to yourself in the car, yelling? No. Okay. Sounds like you've got a bit of pent up road rage out on the roads there, Endo. Well, that's not normal. Better to let it out by yourself than to take it out to someone else, is it not? But you're yelling at someone. Just because they can't hear you doesn't mean that you're not yelling at them. Do you want me to yell at them? I just think it's a bit of a coward's way about it, you know? Like, yeah, look at you this. You know how you can tell you're this. full of shit is when you you, you extenuate, it's a coward's way out. You're full of shit. Just stop. Let's, no, I just, I no, think no, no, let's, no. let's take a look more, at the old Hendo mirror here. More nonsense thrashing. Mr. Big Man, in the safety of his car, just yelling at people who can't see or hear you. Yeah, no, let, let out my, let out my no, anger. No, that's on my impressive. Own. Yeah, thank you. I did quite enjoy this one long shot, though, after he parks and we see him walk all the way to his apartment. Good shot. We do get a couple of shots of a bit of suspense here when he's going to open the door. You see the key go into the lock like really slow and it's all silent, yep. taking his time. Um, obviously, you wouldn't know what's going to happen here if you haven't seen it for the first time. So you're like, shit, this this could get – someone could be here. Someone mm. could be waiting for him. Exactly. But, no, he just goes in, gets his watch. And what an idiot. What? Why, why would you stop for Pop-Tarts? Don't defend it. No, it I'm not going to. It is so dumb. I'm not going to. It's, it, it is, is stupid. so dumb. He's gone in for the watch. He can leave. Like, he is so lucky that Vincent left the gun on the counter. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I, he should have gone in, got the watch, and got out. Yeah. But it's unfortunate for Vincent he left the gun on the counter because he doesn't expect How awesome to come is the gun, though? Oh, massive. Giant silencer yeah. on it. <laughs> nah, it's great. And again, I don't, I don't blame Vincent for anything he did here. What? You would never expect Butch to come back home after Then why, why is he there? You are there in case Butch comes back. I, I mean, le- leaving the gun on the counter because, oh, unless that could be Marcellus who left that there. Could be. I mean, Butch is, oh, sorry, not Butch. Vincent's in the toilet. Here's someone out there. He doesn't expect it to be Butch. He would expect it to be Marcellus come back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're not saying, okay, I get you. They're obviously there for him to come back, but- yep. When he's in the toilet and he hears someone out there making Pop-Tarts, he's like, that's just Marcellus. <laughs> Fucking fat Marcellus. <laughs> Lay off the Pop-Tarts, mate. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. It's funny how, because he's coming back with donuts and coffee. Yeah. But no, we get uh, the death of Vincent here. Yes. Shocking. Pretty violent. Pretty violent. Lots of yeah. lots of blood. Lots of blood. Lots in of, the bath. Lots of, hear a little, get a little scream from Vincent as well as he falls back. Is Do you know anything about the book that he's reading as he- Goes along. I here. mean, I did read up on it. It's not didn't important. Seem, I mean, it didn't seem that important. No, why? Did you? No, that's why I'm asking you. Oh yeah, no, I actually was reading about it today. Uh, yeah, it's really not interesting. So cool. Moving on. Moving on. So we get Butch back in the car now. He's pretty happy with himself. Absolutely. He, oh, actually, he got his watch. That, he killed Vincent. He's, that, he's, walking, he's walking down and he hears the radio. Yeah. Did you hear what's on the radio? No. They they say that uh, the trophy from Jack Rabbit Slims was stolen. <laughs> Did you know this? I only just found this out recently. Am I to believe that Vincent and Mia stole it? Yeah, they didn't win the dance contest. They Jeez, stole who, the trophy. Who would have beaten them? Yeah, that's a fair point. But <laughs> isn't didn't that blow your mind? That's I've awesome. seen this movie that many times and I didn't never even noticed. Know that. Yeah, that's awesome. It's true. Is that radio worthy news? Someone stole the trophy from a restaurant? No, it's I mean <laughs> <it's> stupid. <laughs> But we get one of the greatest pieces of music ever written now. Smoking cigarettes and watching Captain Gang. Well, I'm very slightly off with the yeah, radio. just a little bit. It's yeah. so good. No, but like you said, he's he's happy with himself. He's He's gotten away, basically, only to find that he's got fucking Marcellus Wallace walking across the street at that exact moment. Amazing. It is. And just the stop, like the double take. He stops, tilts his head, and then Butch looks, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Motherfucker. It's, it's such a good delivery from Ving Rhames. He does the right thing, don't you reckon? Driving straight in front rather than like reversing and going the other way? Oh, for sure. Because yeah. he's pull- likely got a gun. He's, well, he does have a gun. Yeah. He's going to pull it out. Of course. Yeah. You've got to ram You thing. have go, to ram Go forward, him. ram him. But yeah, a bit unfortunate. He gets uh, T-boned by the car. Yeah. Yeah. That's unlucky. But what do you do? But we get a fade to black here and he wakes up to people standing over Marcellus. Including uh, Kathy Griffin. Yes. What is she doing in Pulp Fiction? I don't think she was known as- Credited as Kathy Griffin as well. Legit? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, whatever. Yep. <laughs> you got. You see Butch, blood just pouring out of his nose. Yeah. And this woman's there. Do you know who this woman is? Nope. She's the woman who gets shot by Mr. Orange in Reservoir Dogs. Oh, really? And she is like the- um, She deals with- 
Oh, what's the word? Um, accents, like language stuff with Tarantino. Dialect. Yeah, sure. Yep. Dialect coach. And so he rewards her by making her get shot every time she's in a movie. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's unlucky. But yeah, the big stumbling chase down the street with the gun just going off everywhere. It's intense. I love it. Yeah, it's good fun. It is. Even the, the little shot of Butch against the wall. The wall. Yeah, yeah. And you see him coming down coming down the, the side of the screen with the gun going off again. Then you get into- Zed's place. Zed's place. You feel that sting, big boy? That's pride fucking with you. <laughs> Punch him right in the face. No one kills anyone in Zed's place except me or Zed. Looks like the spider just got himself a couple of flies. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble when you're uh, hearing that shit. Yep. It's, uh, it's going to be a rough time for old Butch and Marcellus here. And you fade out and you fade back into that. That iconic shot, the red ball gags. Yeah. yeah. I know I've mentioned it before, but I feel like watching this movie, not knowing where this is going, and just all of a sudden, what the fuck is going on in this film? Bring out the gap. Oh, this- What? You, you think this is all going to be about a watch and a guy trying to chase him down? No, no. We're going to get into some weird homoerotic sexual gimp fetishes, ball yeah. gag. Like, what? Yeah. How good is the way that- uh? Zed strums his oh, fingers yeah. on top that of the game. That sound effect was great. Oh, man, it gets me. You get there. Gets me going. Get, get you, does <laughs> Gets a little eeny, meeny, miny, mo going. Even that is just a little little terrifying there because you don't. You start to not hear him. You don't see where he ends up. And the fact that he goes, well, I guess it's you. And the camera, the camera pans. Yeah, pans away. That's amazing. So instead of having two in the shot, it doesn't even zoom in. It, instead of having two in the shot, it goes further left. So it's nothing and Marcellus. Yeah, that's right. Oh, shit. And the music. How good's the music? The music is great in, in this dun, whole dun, film. Yeah. Tie up the gimp. No, What's no, he going to do? No, that's that's just for his pleasure, I imagine. Like, you, you're not going to touch him. You're going to pleasure? The gimp's pleasure? The gimp's pleasure. I'm sure the gimp doesn't mind being a chained up. Really? Well, you're not doing it. He's not. He's, this isn't a involuntary thing. He's doing this by choice. He's in like a jail cell. Why is he, why is he chained up if it's by choice? That's the sexual fetish. Why do you think he starts screaming at Zed and the other guy when Butch breaks free? Wouldn't he be like, oh, no, no, seriously, uh, please let me go, help. <laughs> please. <laughs> Undo my zipper. <laughs> God. <laughs> How is it when he goes up the stairs and you can hear him going at it downstairs? Uh, Yeehaw! God. <laughs> He's just like, God damn it. What do you make of his decision here? I think it's the right one. That's just a, it's a, a moral thing. You, you, you can't leave a guy to get done like that. A guy who's about to kill you. I don't think this is the fate he deserves. Go down and save him. The- you, want, you, want to, you want to get these guys for doing They're going to do this to you. You want to let them live. But that's not why he's doing it. He's doing it to save Marcellus. I think he's also doing it no, to because, get them. No, because what's You don't think him- there's any sort of thing? No, I don't think like, so, yeah, I'm because kill he's these happy guys. to go. And what stops him is hearing Marcellus getting fucked. And thinking to himself, that could have very easily been me. I no, think. I, I think it's both. I, I think, think he wants to save so. him, and I think he wants to kill these guys for doing what they're doing. Yeah, how good's the uh, the weapon of choice? I love rolling through them. Yeah, get the little hammer, and then you got the the chainsaw, chainsaw, and then you get the samurai sword, which is obviously the best one. It's silent. It's the most deadly. It's quick. Now, how much damage are you going to be able to do with the hammer? I mean, the hammer you'd have to surprise them. The chainsaw is loud and annoying. You have to turn it on to start it with. Yeah. Samurai sword is long, cuts off limbs immediately, silent. I know. Perfect. Would it, would it be easy to use the samurai sword with no training? R- what do you mean? Run it across a guy, bang, cuts him in half. Fucking expert over here. It's a sword. Okay. I think it'd be more harder to run a chainsaw than a samurai sword. Chainsaw would be tough. Yeah. I just stand like, wait, 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 guys, hang on. Wait a minute, I got this. Fuck, should have got a samurai sword. <laughs> you just see like the menace in Butcher's face as well. Once he car he carves the other guy, gives him a stab, he's got, and he's just his eyes are bul- he's he's bulging out. You want head. that gun, don't yeah, you, Sam? There's a boy. Go, go on, on, pick it up, pick it up. I, I, want, I want you to pick it up. Yeah, it's oh, it's great. He just he wants uh, that a boy. <laughs> I love how it goes a little bit slow mo with the sound of the shotgun. Oh, that shotgun sound is so perfect. Step aside, Butch. Because you could see myself easily just shooting Butch as well, just to get it done. But no, yeah, step aside, Butch. Yeah. Shoots him in the dick. Nice. Yep, of course. And it's just this this speech from Marcel. No, before that, he just stands there watching. And Butch is just like, uh. You okay? <laughs> no, man. I'm pretty fucking far from okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no shit. So, uh, what now? Well, now I'm going to call a couple homies down. <laughs> 
They're going to get medieval on his ass. Pair of pliers and a blowtorch. <laughs> oh, shit. I, I love Witch's next line, though. I, I mean, what now between me and you? <laughs> oh, that what now? You hear me talking, hillbilly? <laughs> I ain't through with you, my damn sight. <laughs> great. It's a great. Oh, it, it really is. Yeah, and just the whole, you know, there is no me and you. Get it, like, get out of here. If I ever see you again, yeah. you know, you're done. <laughs> uh, this this is between you, me, and soon to be living the rest of his short life in excruciating <laughs> pain over here. Rapist here. <laughs> now we get the last scene of the movie chronologically. Yes, grabs the, the chopper, gets the, the Z keys. Of course. Of course. Yeah, heads back to Fabian and she's had a... Oh, she didn't have her blueberry pancakes. So they, they only had buttermilk, unfortunate. She had a tough morning. Buttermilk's not too bad. Not as good as blueberry. But yeah, they sum this up and she's questioning what's going on. Where's my car? I was like, no, no, we've got the chopper now. I've had a, this morning's been one of the most fucked up mornings I've ever had in my life. Whose motorcycle is this? It's a that, chopper, baby. Whose who's chopper, chopper is this? It's Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Iconic line. Bum, 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 bum. Great. It really is. Great end to the movie. Oh, wait. What? No, it's not. What gets me is, having just talked that through, I still think that's the worst story. Yeah. Yeah, isn't, yep. that, isn't that crazy though? Like how much fun, how great all these characters are. There's so much here that's iconic and crazy and off the wall and it's still the weakest main story of the whole the bunch. The fact that this is the weakest story it's out of the three. crazy. Shows how strong, great yeah. this film is. But let's get to the third and final portion of this film, the Bonnie situation. And I love how it just cuts mid, mid-scene. You can hear you can hear the the yelling from Jules in the background. Yes, you did, Brett. Yeah, but because we see it from uh, the fourth man's perspective, yes, as he's credited. Now, this is actually Robert Arquette, who I was legitimately watching the credits after I finished this film, and I noticed there was someone named Alexis Arquette credited as fourth man. So I looked it up. This person actually had a sex change. Yes, he did. Yeah, which I found interesting. Went on to. Do a couple of roles, mainly in The Wedding Singer as the Boy George impersonator. Yes, and other things. He was he was in one of the Chucky films that I watched recently. Oh, really? Yes, he was. She? He. I think you meant to say she. No, but at this point, he was still a male. Oh, was he? Yes. Was she? Yeah, so you this can't- This confusing. You, you don't even know. I, I, I don't claim to be an expert on the topic. I just don't want to offend anyone. Let's just move on, shall we? Let's. We're in over <laughs> our heads now. Okay. But no- we get this cool little reminder of how great this speech is, and he comes out screaming. What do you make of the fact that when they shoot Brett this time, there's no gold glow, it's just the actual shooting? Yeah, it was good. Yep. Nice little change. Well, we're seeing it from a different perspective, so like like with the diner stuff when they say lines that are actually different from yes. shot to shot, it's from different people's point of view, so people are seeing things differently. Not that I imagine anyone's really seeing Brett dying as gold light lighting up, but- Anyway, the look from both the Jules and Vincent here. Die, you motherfuckers! Unloads, what, six bullets or something? When they look at each other and then in unison, arms up, bang. Mows him down. We also find out here that Marvin was also the informant here for them. He was in on this. He wasn't part of these. Like, he'd sold these guys out. Didn't we already know this? Not before. This is when you see after the shooting, he's like, who's that? Oh, Oh, that's Marvin. He's with us. Oh, okay. I thought it was... Um, common knowledge because Jules says he has a guy up there. We didn't know that at this point. He kills the guy on the couch and then we know he kills Brett. But there's, there's no only conclusion. Other, only one other guy there. There's no conclusion to it. It has to be him. doesn't have to be. It could have been the fourth guy in the bloody room. But then Jules would have known that there was someone else in the apartment. But we find it out now. Wait, this is Marvin. Marvin, I'll knock that shit off of you because he's distraught. Huh, okay. It was never unknown for me, that's all. He talks about this divine intervention. You notice when they walk away from the shot, there's actually bullet holes where they were. Like, you see three bullet holes behind them where the bullets oh, have obviously missed them. I thought it was more around them. No, no, you see three. In, it's from the it's from the point of view of- The shooter. The shooter. You see three bullet holes in the wall. Then when they walk away- There must have been a second shooter. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole thing about divine intervention and- no, you know, I don't. I don't think it's divine intervention. You know what I think it is? A magic butt. But you gotta have an opinion. <laughs> Do you think that God came down from heaven? <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. What did you make of all this conversation about God 
making the boards miss them. There's some great lines. There's some really great lines. Look, you want to play blind man, go walk with the shepherd. But me, my eyes are wide fucking open. What the fuck are you talking about? Jules, he's so... He's so he's <laughs> that Vincent has that reaction that we would have. Yeah. It's like, what? Chill, Jules, this shit happens. No, Wrong. No, <laughs> shit doesn't just happen. What we witnessed here was a fucking miracle and I want you to acknowledge it. All right, it's a miracle. Can we, can go? we go? Can we go now? But no, we get the car ride. Even the little things where Vince is saying, God damn it, don't blaspheme. Jesus Christ, I said don't do that shit. I said don't do that. <laughs> what you fucking freaking out for? It's great. Oh, but of course, they need Marvin's opinion. Poor Marvin. Marvin, what do you make of all this? Man, I don't even have an opinion. Well, you gotta have an opinion. I mean, do you think that God came down from heaven and stopped... Oh, what the fuck's happening? Oh, oh man. man. Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck did you do that? Well, I didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. I oh. mean, what is, what is Vincent doing? He's aiming the gun at Marvin. I know. He put, he's got the finger Why on the Why would you be holding the gun like that? Because he's an idiot. Hmm. Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. It's just so casual. Why'd you do that for? I didn't mean to. <laughs> Man, we could just quote this whole thing. It's so good, though. It's amazing. There's so many great quotes still coming up too, as well. Oh. We got to get you know, you got to get the car off the road, so they they give uh, give them a Jimmy a call. Yes. But before we get to Jimmy, there's actually a little bit of trivia here. It was actually John Travolta's idea to get Marvin shot in the face. They were actually going to have Marvin accidentally shot in the throat, and he was going to die like really slow and a painful death. And they would have decided to put him out of his misery and actually shoot him in the head afterwards. Yeah, we didn't need that. Yeah, Taran- uh, Travolta said to Tarantino that that would make their two characters like extremely, extremely like they would they would have turned them against them. No, I don't think so. I just think you lose that shock value of bang his head explodes. I just yeah, the whole like if you just shoot him red. in the neck and then you have to kill him, it's like it doesn't have the same impact. And you wouldn't get all the things that come on later on, like you talk about brain matter yeah. and that all the brains, all the brain talk. Oh, so good. But let's get to Jimmy's house. This bit in the bathroom. Oh, it's so- with, the, with the towels. It's it's just. It's it is their relationship here. Jules is so prim and proper, and he wants to be everything perfect. And you got Vincent, who just doesn't care. When I was finished, my tail didn't look like a goddamn Nazi pad. <laughs> it's a, who who makes up this line? Yeah, it's so good. Classic. You watch me wash them. I wash you get. I watch you get I wet. Watch you get them wet. <laughs> so good. But uh, yeah, we have uh, Quentin Tarantino here as Jimmy. Yeah, he's good. Is he? Yeah, I liked him. You didn't. I think he's the weakest part of the film. I, I hope you mean performance and not part, because this whole section is awesome. Performance, yeah. Yeah. Tarantino's not much of an actor himself. Oh. Could have easily got someone else here. No, I, I like that it's Tarantino here. I do. What do you make of his discussion here? It's awesome. I love this Tarantino stuff. Oh, when he came pulling in here, <laughs> did you see a sign at the front of my house? I won't go on, but that whole... It's so clever. It's like, man, you know I didn't see no sign. Did you see a sign? at the? No. You know why you didn't see that sign? He's definitely putting his authority why? in here. Oh, it's- he's- And you can see Jules just like, he just gets disheveled. He's like, no. Right. Mm. Oh, Jimmy, don't even- No, no. Don't fucking Jimmy me, man. <laughs> don't fucking Jimmy me, Jules. Right? <laughs> There's nothing you can say that makes me kind of stop my love of my wife, is there? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how can you say it's not a good performance? The way he yells these lines are great. He's okay. I mean, they could. I think they could have got someone else. But you know, the, what, the conversation here with uh, Jules and Marcellus. Yes, it's good. Good little scene. It is because again, Jules is losing his shit. Yeah, and he's just like, "Well, what do you want me to say?" You got to appreciate how delicate this Barney situation is. I love how they show. Her coming home, what would happen? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and they all just she walks there. in and they're just holding this body. <laughs> it's like, oops. Oh, dear. <laughs> but they uh, mentioned the wolf. You send in the wolf? <laughs> even, even the way that Jules like tells Marcellus what he wants him to say to him. And he says it back so casually, but he just he drops in the wolf. Hmm. Don't you feel better, motherfucker? Shit, Negro. That's all you had to say. And we get the intro to the wolf here. Don't yeah. see him. You don't see him. He's just, he's on the phone to Marcellus. He's, he's writing down all the info. Making his notes. Yep. Let's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. Nine minutes and 37 seconds. Glad you know that now. Wish it was 38. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that Quentin Tarantino wrote the wolf character specifically for Harvey Keitel. That was always for him. I mean, he's the star of his first film, so you definitely want him in. And we know how Tarantino loves to keep his same actors. One thing I'd find out several years ago when I was over in Scotland is that Harvey Keitel- 
bought his character of the wolf back for some UK insurance company ads on TV. Really? Yes. I was shocked. So I was watching TV up That's in Scotland. That's pathetic. Yep, and he was he was talking to this old couple about or oh, like the, the insurance they could get. And like there's a car and he's like He's doing his classic wolf talk. He's going, this company's not as good, but you get this one. And, he's, and I'm just sitting there like, wow, what have you stooped to, Harvey Keitel? I mean, in, in fairness, like, have you seen him in much lately? Isn't he in The Irishman? Yes. He was in the Grand Budapest Hotel, which was five years ago. Yep. <laughs> Anything else? I mean, honestly, if your income is drying up and a company comes to you and is like, hey, we want to give you X amount of money for probably one day's work. Wouldn't you have had to get Tarantino to sign off on this? As if Tarantino cares. I thought he would. Hey, hey, Quentin, uh, can I use the wolf character for some com- insurance company ads in Britain? Who the fuck is this? <laughs> Did you notice a sign on my door that said you could use my fucking characters? <laughs> Does he actually say the wolf in the ads? I can't remember, but yeah. he is Harvey Keitel dressed in the suit. Dressed in a- It's Keitel in a suit. He's the wolf. He's got the little pin mustache again. There is no doubt it is the wolf. Okay. But the wolf, the wolf comes in. Susses out the situation. He's very, he's very good. Vincent is such a little bitch here. Oh. A please would be nice. Like, shut Excuse up, me? mate. I said a please would be nice. You see Jules in the corner like, oh, oh, Dude, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm curt with you, it's because time is a factor. So pretty please. With sugar on top. Clean the fucking car. It's great. And, and, and Vincent, Vincent, don't no, be giving me that look. All right? I, I can, I can, I can feel, feel your look. look. <laughs> and the conversation here with the wolf and Jimmy about getting some- Getting some new towels, new, new, new linens. Oak's nice. Oak's nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> do you like oak? Like, normal people, normal non-millionaire people do not care about, yeah, oak's, oak's nice. But like, it's, it's more so he's, it's the, the casual conversation with this gangster. He whips out the water of mine, yeah, well, a lot of cash. Your like, uncle Marcellus is. <laughs> yeah. So do you like this? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Like, just basically, yeah, give me the money. But Jules and Vincent cleaning the car. This argument is... It's fantastic. Oh, oh, you ready to blow? Yeah, I'm ready to blow. Well, I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Every time my fingers touch brain, I'm super fly TNT. I'm the guns of the Navarone. In fact, what the fuck am I doing in the back? You the motherfucker should be on brain detail. We're fucking switching. I'm washing the windows and you picking up this nigga's skull. But they actually do a very good job with this car. Looks yeah. nice. They do well. Yeah, but they have to get cleaned, of course. Yes. Is it absolutely necessary? You know what you guys look like? Like a couple of people who blew someone's head off. <laughs> like dorks. That's- They're your clothes. <laughs> They're your clothes, motherfucker. <laughs> That's awesome. But they head off to the car wreckage. Yep, Raquel. Yep. It's uh, an all right goodbye to the wolf. Oh, I, I like this. <laughs> when he's walking off, you see that? Respect. Shows you have character. I have character. Just because you are a character does not mean that you have character. Great line. Ah, I see it. <laughs> it's your future. I see a cab ride. <laughs> Awesome. Good little good little cameo there by Harvey Keitel for, what, 20 minutes of screen time? Sure. Not even? Yeah. But they end up at the diner. At the Hawthorne Grill. This conversation about oh, eating pigs. Bacon. Swine. Don't dig on swine. You want some bacon? Nah, man, I don't need pork. Pork chuck tastes good. Bacon tastes good. Hey, sewer rat may taste like pumpkin pie, but I wouldn't know because I wouldn't eat the filthy motherfucker. This whole conversation about having a personality would make you more- Irresistible, I guess, like a dog. You wouldn't need a dog. Yeah, but dog has but that, character. But that shit don't matter because uh, dogs got personality. Personality goes along. Ah, so that by that rationale, if a pig had a better personality, would it cease to be a filthy animal? It had to be one charming motherfucking pig. <laughs> it had to be ten times more charming than that. Oh, no, green egg, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man. It's so good. Like, yeah, it, it is, is it's so good, this dialogue. I mean, obviously it is. We're almost quoting it beat for beat. We know yeah, that like, we, we aren't reading this stuff, no. guys. Like, we just, I've seen this so much, it's not funny. But they bring back the miracle talk here about what they just witnessed. Well, because Vincent's real happy. He's like, ah, oh, this is good. Yep. You're relaxed. You're being your old self now. I like this. And uh, <laughs> hey, it's just like, well, you know, I've, I've accepted. I'm just going to walk the earth. What do you mean walk the earth? Well, like Kane in Kung Fu, <laughs> which was played by David Carradine. Nice. Yes. Nice. So you've decided to be a bum. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to be a fucking bum. But it's at this point it's revealed that they're in the same diner. Carson, coffee. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. That's, that's such a good moment. Yeah. And like you said earlier, when they get up to rob the place, Pumpkin has a little bit of a different line. Yeah. Instead of execute every motherfucking last one he is, it's execute every one of your motherfuckers. Yeah. It's better the first time. And also, like you said, this is Tarantino did this on purpose because now you're seeing it from a perspective from someone else. You know what I 
think I knew from the last time I watched it, but definitely confirmed it this time, is when Ringo and Yolanda are robbing the place and Ringo grabs the owner of the coffee shop and he's holding him there and he's like, I am not a hero. I am just a coffee. And he gets cut off. He's credited as coffee in the, in the credits. It's coffee shop. Coffee I am shop. A coffee, coffee shop. shop cut. And then cut. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Do you say you only just saw that this time? No, no, no. I think I remembered it from last oh, okay. time. But yeah, 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 looking at the trivia, yeah, I saw yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. But Ringo heads over to Jules. This is great. Puts a wallet in. Sounds like a shit job. Funny. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> but it's this case. It's this even, case. even this case. It's like, open the case. He's like, I'd like to, but I can't because it's not mine. It's like, I'm going to count to three. And he gets to three. Like, one, two, three. Okay. Okay. I'll open it. They're still trying to be menacing here as well. So we've got a vigilante over here, darling. Shoot him in the face. <laughs> but obviously Jules gets uh, one up on them here. Because this glowing briefcase <laughs> is so distracting. Is that what I think it is? So it's clearly something that's- What is it? <laughs> She's so intrigued. And she loses her mind. Oh, she is awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell that bitch to fucking chill. Tell that fucking bitch to chill. <laughs> Say, bitch, be cool. <laughs> be cool, honey, buddy. <laughs> We're going to be like three little Fonzies here. And what's Fonzie like? Cool. <laughs> That's right. We're going to be cool. <laughs> he gets to tell him, tells him to get the wallet out. Which one is it? It's the one that says bad motherfucker. You know, that's actually Tarantino's wallet. Yes, I do. It's actually a reference to Shaft, the character Shaft. Yes, who would <laughs> later be played by Samuel Jackson. Twice. Have you seen Shaft? Neither. Me neither. I might see the new one. It's on Netflix. Why not? Yeah. Yolanda, <laughs> I'm proud of you. And Ringo's proud of you. You're doing really well. Tell her you're proud of her. <laughs> Proudy, honey bunny. <laughs> He's so on point here. Even Vincent comes out, almost ruins it. Vince, you give that Nimrod all that money, I'm going to shoot him just on general principle. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm not giving it to him, Vince. I'm buying something. It's great. I'm buying your life. And we get a repeat of the Ezekiel 2517. But he says it's so calm and casual. It's and it's, like, it's yeah. honestly, it's almost as good. Yeah. And this conversation after when he's just like, nice to say this shit because it sounds like some cool shit to say to someone before I pop a cap in their ass, basically. Yeah. He's like, but now it's got me thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and he like goes through like all, all the different roles in the in the discussion. And what does he land on? The fact that oh, it's oh, like, you got it. you're the righteous and I'm the shepherd and it's a world that's evil. Now, I'd like that, but that shit ain't true. See, the truth is you're the weak, and I am the tyranny of evil man. But I'm, but I'm trying, trying, Ringo. I'm, I'm trying, trying real hard to be the shepherd. Wow. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's amazing. It really, really is amazing. I really forgot how great Samuel Jackson was in this. And the fact he clicks that hammer back, so he's done. He's letting him go. Oh, man. And even Vincent comes up. I think we should go now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah well, you're probably right. And again, great music as they leave. There's actually a scene that was taken out at this point around here where Jules actually kills both of them, shoots the gun up through the table and then kills Yolanda, but then it's just, it cuts back to him. That's what he's thinking. That's, that's the options he's going oh, through. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he didn't actually do it, but he's running through what the options he could do right now. I'm glad they took that out. Yeah. Would have been used to like shock value or yeah, something. Yeah, would have been a bit cheap. Didn't need it. No. But they leave- with their guns in their t-shirts and shorts with that awesome music. Awesome. Just listen to that while you watch the credits. It's amazing. But yeah, like we said, the fact that it ends there and not at the end of Zed's Dead, it's fantastic. Oh, it's a perfect ending. Any last words? All right, Dean, let's do it. Your final thoughts on Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is one of, not just one of the greatest movies ever made, but one of my personal favourite movies of all time. It's got to be one of my most rewatched films from when I was, say, 15 or 16. Like, take away all the stuff that I would rewatch as a kid. I've chosen as an adult to rewatch this film more than any other, I would say, almost. And it, ne- it doesn't get old. Like, I had so much fun, again, on this viewing of it. It's... Like, you look at your all-time greatest movie lists. Yeah. 
And some some movies you look at and you may not have seen them for a while and you're like, gee, is, should that really be that high? Like, should Pulp Fiction really be that high I've been for doing me? that a lot recently. Yeah. And then you watch a film like this because often you'll watch a film and you're like, yeah, it's not as good as I remember. You know, like people change. It's been a long time since I watched it. You value different things. You pick up on different things. I've and done it twice so far on the breakdown. They affect you in different ways. But watching this, this movie honestly is timeless. I will never not get such a kick out of watching this movie. We've talked about performances. We've talked about how amazing Tarantino's passion is that has come through in this film. Nothing tops the script, though. This script is beyond any other script I've seen. It is a true masterpiece and gets a... Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Outstanding. From me. Nice. All right, Hendo, over to you. Well, what is there to say about this film? I mean, Quentin Tarantino takes what he learned from Reservoir Dogs and he turns the dial up in every aspect. A simply amazing screenplay, full of wit, charm, humour. The simple conversations and casual dialect keep the flow of the film going incredibly consistent from beginning to end, like you're just sitting in the backseat listening to these people talk and you're interested in what they're saying. You begin to like these people. Even though they're all bad people, you enjoy watching them, listening to them and seeing what they get into. The use of non-linear structure works very well with the tone of the film. It keeps things hidden until we need to know. It creates better character arcs for some individuals and it finishes the film on a better note than if it was a straight linear film. There's so much great about this film. All the characters are memorable from the big ones like Jules and Vincent right down to the small parts like Jody or Zed. There are so many goddamn one-liners in this film almost so that the film is one giant one-liner that I nearly know it off by heart. The soundtrack is off the fucking chain. I listen to this on a regular basis away from this film with so many catchy and distinct songs now. You think Mizzaloo, you think Pulp Fiction. You think Son of a Preacher Man, you think Pulp Fiction. Seriously, I could go on about this film for even longer. This is the best Tarantino film. It's one of the best films of all time. It, it could even be the best film of all time. Who knows? This film is a bloody masterpiece, perfectly paced, endlessly quotable, great performances, airtight script, wonderful direction. Of course, this gets an amazing, incredible, outstanding from me. Very well said, Hendo. Thank you. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where's Pulp Fiction going to sit on your rankings? Well, obviously, let's not muck around. Let's 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 go way up. Let's go number six. We have The Matrix. And Pulp Fiction is better than The Matrix. Then we have Inception. It's better than that. La La Land. It's even better than that. Groundhog Day is my number three. And Pulp Fiction's better than that. Wow. All right, now we're up against Batman Begins. Holy shit. A true, a true love of mine, one of my all-time favourites, and unfortunately for Batman Begins, Ooh. Pulp Fiction is better than Batman Begins. All right, so now we're looking at my number one currently, Once Upon a Time in America. We have a contender here. Man, this is like episode five we did Once Upon a Time in America. That is a long time. Was it really? Yes. Jesus Christ. Uh, yes. Pulp Fiction will stay there. Oh, Unlucky. so close. So, Once Upon a Time in America, number one, Pulp Fiction, number two. Over to you, Hendo. All right, same situation as you. Let's start off at the top five, starting off with Saving Private Ryan. Pulp Fiction is better than Saving Private Ryan. Now we're on to Rocky. It is better than Rocky. Well, that was easy. And now we have a QT battle here with Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill at the number three spot. And Pulp Fiction is better than Kill Bill. On to number two for The Matrix. And I agree with you. Pop Fiction is better than The Matrix. So now up to the number one contender spot against Inception. And boy, oh boy, what do we do here? You know what? We have a new number one. Pop Fiction, number one out of 56 films. Really? Yes. Well, there you go. There you go. Look at that. How long will it stay there for? Who knows? Except me. I know where it stands. <laughs> you find out. Pretty quickly afterwards that he, he kills the guy in the ring. That's really all you need to know. Yeah. And like, it would slow stick cause by Nick, Justin and Loy Sauce. Get involved. Donate. Get onto the live stream when it comes up. We'll be on there doing a nice little Pod v Pod. It's going to be a good time, Dean. Absolutely. Can't wait. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. 
Hey listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there. And there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and of course, Podbean. We're very thankful to Podbean for taking on our podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's a great hosting site with a great app to go with it. Yeah, what I like about Podbean's app is you can actually comment on the episode you're listening to and it goes straight to us and we can reply back immediately. We've also opened up a new little merch store over on Public. We've got uh, a couple of t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and all that good stuff for sale. So if you're at all interested in getting a little bit of Movie Journey sweet, sweet merch, head on over there and see if anything tickles your fancy. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so over on Twitter. Hendo controls our main handle at the Movie Journey and I am at Dean's 250 journey. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the movie journey our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I'm at letterboxd.com slash Dino underscore J88 really rolls off the tongue and you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. And we also have a new Facebook discussion group. Yeah, a little listener community going on over there. Yeah, head on over, join up. We'd love for you to be a part of the discussion. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. And like we've said, if you screenshot your review and DM us, we'll send you out some new sweet, sweet merch. Or if you're really loving the show and want more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on the IMDb Top 250 list. Yeah, we've got over 70 episodes over there, including such classic film series like the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series, as well as some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's right. There's also tons of benefits over there, early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put out on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can even shape the show the way you want to by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, as we ease into our next film series coming up in a couple of weeks, we decided to put out another little scene from the cutting room floor, a whole bunch of audio clips that we deemed uh, not suitable for the main show, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you enjoyed us having Georgia on the uh, couple of episodes recently, then uh, this might be for you because there was a lot we had to cut from Georgia. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got a full backlog of audio of that. It's going to be a great time to, listen, to go back and listen to that. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash themoviejourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. All right, mate, it's time for... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this oh. could be it. Oh. And we've got a couple of reviews for Pop Fiction over on Twitter. First one here from LJ Human. For me, this changed movies forever. It built on the groundbreaking style of Reservoir Dogs as much a dark sitcom as a crime film. Inspiring generations of writers with its non-narrative dialogue and non-linear storytelling, it cemented in me just how great adult films could be. Next up, from Nerd Lantern of Sector 2814, a highly recommended 90s gateway drug to Tarantino's work. Yes, there's also Reservoir Dogs, but this was bigger, more parodied, more copied, and more, more. Overall, still worth a watch for those that dig a cool and strange slow burn that delivers. All right, thanks, guys, for those reviews, but of course, we got to get to... There's two kinds of people in this world. You're either on Team Pulp Fiction or you're on Team Reservoir Dogs, and I'm definitely a dog man myself. Which isn't to say I don't dislike Pulp Fiction. It's a great fucking movie. But why do so many people have this as the number one Tarantino film? If not the number one film of all time, I don't know. What's with the triple negative I saw there? Which isn't to say that I don't dislike Pulp Fiction. (laughs) What are you trying to say here? Who knows? (laughs) Now, what stands out most for me in this film are the characters and the dialogue interactions, rather than the situations themselves. The speech is comedic, captivating, at times philosophical, but when you get into the story part of this movie, that's where it comes up short for me. To give a summary of this movie would be, there's a bunch of people and a bunch of stuff happens to them. It's kind of like most movies, Henry. Yeah. The beginning isn't the beginning, the end isn't the end, and the middle isn't the middle. It's all over the place. And to be honest, this is a very slow film. A lot of the time, not a lot is happening. What? Especially when compared to Reservoir Dogs, which is like a time bomb that starts ticking after the opening credits. Bob Fiction just doesn't have that same urgency. Are we heading towards like a two-star review here? Sounds like it. 
What's funny as well is, the first time I saw Pulp Fiction, I didn't like it. The movie had to grow on me, so I never got to experience this film and enjoying it without knowing everything that was going to happen already. So while Pulp Fiction is definitely an excellent movie for the dialogue, characters and performances, it doesn't hit the highs of Tarantino's best work for me personally. Four and a half stars. Boom. That is the worst four and a half star review I've ever heard in my life. I kind of don't want to watch this movie now. No, no, tell me about it. All right, mate, let's get to... Answer my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you, what is your favourite Quentin Tarantino film? Now, let's take a look at some responses over on Twitter. First one from Malin181. I do think the Grindhouse was a cool experiment, and I'm glad that he tried it. Surely that's the only uh, death-proof mention. Maybe. Next up from Jared Kelly, Kill Bill. Nice. Short and sweet film review. Says Pulp Fiction is still as innovative today as it was in 1994. Dan is not the problem. Says, I think it's still, and always will be, Reservoir Dogs. Maria Emma also says Reservoir Dogs. Here we go from Jason. First mention of Inglorious Bastards. Kurt Smith goes with probably Pulp Fiction. Tony says The Hateful Eight. Interesting. Movie Corn goes with the most recent one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ronnie Casale says Django Unchained. We've got a really good spread here, don't we? Yeah, wait. I think there's maybe one that hasn't been mentioned so far. Let's see if we can get to that one. SP Film Viewers says Inglorious Bastards. Scott Anthony says Django Unchained. So Ben Kenobi says Kill Bill. Loved it as a teenager and I still love it. The Horror Club Podcast has gone with Reservoir Dogs. Ah, here we go. Renegade says Jackie Brown. Ah, thank you, Renegade. Ross Sharporn says Pulp Fiction is still his apex mountain. Is that a movie? I don't know. Ramus Stereo says the whole bloody affair. Putting all, both the Kill Bills together. I like your style, mate. Kind of cheating, but okay. And the last one here on Twitter from A&M Reviews, Django Unchained. All right, let's take a look over on our Facebook listener community. First one from Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast goes with Inglorious Bastards. Next up, Brad from The Cinema Guys says, love me some Pulp Fiction. And lastly on Facebook from Wojciech Vidzeman, I love Inglorious Bastards. All right, let's go and check out our Patreon for our lovely, lovely, awesome, amazing, spectacular patrons. Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast says, Reservoir Dogs for me, such a taut thriller with incredible characters and the first tasting of Tarantino's terrific dialogue. Also, a great twist. Speaking of Paul and Gerald, I'm coming up on the uh, So I Married a Movie Geek in 2008's semi-final fantasy movie draft. Ooh, let's yeah. see if you can uh, repeat your success from whatever year you did previously. 2006. How bad is your memory? <laughs> Chris Beardsell says, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. We all know it's one film, really. Yeah, we do. We really do. Jacob Bennett says, For me, it's Pulp Fiction all the way. Perfect film in every regard. Runners-up are Inglorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Georgia Watson says, Inglorious Bastards. Worst is Pulp Fiction. Boom. Yeah, she's doing that to annoy me. I don't think she is. I, th- I think she just doesn't like Pulp Fiction. No, I don't see. I don't. I can't see that being possible. Yeah, not so popular now, are you, Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, on our Patreon from the Rough House Podcast, I got to say I enjoy Inglorious Bastards the most. Bonjourno. All right, thank you everyone for putting in a response. But Dean, let's get to our top five Quentin Tarantino films. And as usual, we'll kick it off with you. What's your number five? Once upon a time in Hollywood, Hendo. What's your number five? Also, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised it it snuck in. To be honest. Well, it's a great film. It is a great film. Number four for you. Reservoir Dogs. Jeez. <laughs> My number four is also Reservoir Dogs. Is it really? Yes, it is. All right. Let's uh, let's get things a bit differently here then, Hendo. My number three is Inglorious Bastards. No, we're going to keep it the same. My number three is Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> okay. I'm sure this is where we're going to get different. My number two is Pulp Fiction. Wow. My number two is The Whole Body Affair. Yes. Kill Bill 1 and 2. And my number one is Kill Bill 1 and 2. Ah, together. Yes, so in case you're wondering why Pulp Fiction ranks higher on my current list than Kill Bill, it's because that's Kill Bill Volume 1. Yep. And Pulp Fiction is better than the first movie. But Kill Bill 2. Combine them, mate, come on, Kill Bill. Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Affair, and Pulp Fiction are just... And if you haven't realised, my number one is, of course, Pulp Fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Is Death Proof. (laughs) All right, and for next week's question of the week, considering we're heading into Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, we're going to ask you, what is your favourite film adapted from a book? And that does not mean a comic book. No, we're talking actual novels. Actual novels, and preferably ones that are, you know, well-known. Yeah. That'd be nice. I know, mine will be. I mean, I don't. I need to think about this. Should we limit this to one per franchise? Oh, for sure limit it to one per franchise. Sounds good to me. You can only fit so many Hobbit movies on there. (laughs) There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! 
Hi, Dean. It's time to find out the latest results of our best 2010s film tournament. All right, we have The Dark Knight Rises up against Green Book. And what do you know? The Dark Knight Rises, 91%. Oh, it's Green Book, of course. Smashed it. Finally, The Dark Knight Rises getting the appreciation it deserves. What about this one? Parasite easily handles marriage story, 85%. Not, Not as easily as The Dark Knight Rises handled Green Book, though. Next up, The Invisible Guest. Clearly people thinking this is the Invisible Man. Because <laughs> somehow the Invisible Guest got 30% of the vote, but it did lose to the Help with 70%. Gee, the Help's had such a simple run to get into the final 16 here. What about this one? Mad Max Fury Road takes out 1917, 60% of the vote. Well, it could use all the help it could get. Oh. Yeah? <laughs> Why do I still do this? Uh, what do we have next up? We have Infinity War against the Wolf of Wall Street. And we have Avengers Infinity War at 56%, knocking out the Wolf of Wall Street. Now, this was one of our differences in our bracket bet. I unfortunately had Wolf of Wall Street. And I obviously had the correct answer of Infinity War. So, you're up three points now. Heading into this match, Joker narrowly takes out How to Train Your Dragon, 52% to 48 Yeah, I'm shocked. To be honest, I thought it would be pretty easy, but I guess yeah, the close. I guess the uh, Joker hatred is still strong out there. Not the uh, How to Train Your Dragon love. I mean, who even remembers How to Train Your Dragon? I do. It's good. Yeah, good. Yeah, I would have voted for it. Yeah, but you don't like Joker for some weird reason. I do like it. I don't know where you get this idea from. All right, next one here we have Coco up against the Irishman. Now. This was a tough one. We did pick differently. I went the Irishman. And I did go Coco. And Coco won. That's 57%. Right. It's good to know that I can pick a winner here. So we bring our score back to two points up for you, Dean. Yep. And our last match we've done here, Whiplash against 12 Years a Slave. And Whiplash easily beats 12 Years a Slave, 74% to 26. As it should. So, what's next? All right, Dean. We know we're doing Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, coming up. But we've had a little discussion. We have. A very long discussion. Yes. One that may just take place over many, many weeks. This may be our own little journey ourselves. A big adventure here. It will be a journey. A journey of movies, you could say. Because our next three breakdowns in a row are going to be the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. Extended editions. And much like Pulp Fiction, every movie we're doing a two-parter on. So this is six weeks of Lord of the Rings. So we hope you like Lord of the Rings. Because <laughs> <And if you laughs> if you don't. And, yeah, and if you haven't seen it, this is the perfect opportunity to do so. Yes. Because so we're going to get right into it. Right into it. Let's do it justice that it, it deserves. And uh, yeah, it's been a year since I've watched these, so I'm really oh, looking forward I'm to it. I'm talking decades for me. Yeah, well, you're an idiot. And I, when I, well, I say years since I watched it, but when I was watching it, I watched it multiple, multiple times. This is going to be a good, good couple of weeks coming up, I reckon. It's going to be good. All right. So, until then, thank you very much, everyone, for checking out the episode, and we'll see you next week for the start of our Lord of the Rings marathon with the Fellowship of the Ring. Bye!